Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Single Mom Life Podcast. My name is Antoinette, and I am your host. Okay, everybody. So this is going to be part two of my foster care story, aka my life story. Again, um, my name is Antoinette, but it hasn't always been Antoinette. Growing up, my name was just Tony. T-O-N-E-Y, Tony. Um, yes, I was teased a lot growing up in multiple different schools. It was always Tony the Tiger, the great. You're great. You taste great. Sorry, hold on. Sorry about that. That was my son in the background playing a game. I had to ask him to turn the volume down because for some reason with the microphone, it just catches up on all the sounds and then I can hear it through my headphones. So I'm sure you guys can hear it as well. But yes, I was constantly teased for being named Tony or getting confused for one of the boys or thinking I was the boy. Um, and it was so annoying or being called Tony Montana, like it was crazy. Um, anyways, so let me start off from where I left off in my last episode. It was when me and my sister were being taken away again for the second time after I had turned 10 years old. Um, we were at the police station for quite some time until they were able to find a shelter home for us to stay at. Um, prior to being taken away again, um, we had been homeless, as I mentioned. And one thing I didn't mention was that me and my sister ended up getting lice. So my birth mom knew about this. And that's also another reason why she argued with our birth grandma because they found out we had lice and my birth grandma got lice and everything. And it was like a big deal. Like, of course, like who wants lice? Like, it's horrible once you get it to get rid of it. It's like you have to like cut off your hair. And my birth mom actually did that with my younger sister. She actually shaved her head bald. So when we went to foster care, um, my name was Tony, and they thought, like, we were a sibling set, like a boy and a girl. And then when they got us, they saw that my sister was bald, so they thought she was Tony. (laughs) It was, back then, it's like, it wasn't cool, but now that I'm older, it was, it's something to definitely laugh at, because it was, it was, like, funny. It was, it was funny. Um, anyways, so... Being that we were a sibling set when we went back into foster care, it's a lot harder to place sibling sets in foster homes. So we end up going to a shelter home for foster care and you basically have 30 days. That's what like the foster parents, that's what they signed up for, to be a respite home, not a, a permanent foster home. So every 30 days, if needed, they had a placement. So that lady, she was nice. My sister really, really liked her. I, I didn't because, the, because we had lice, she um, would keep us in the backyard. And the backyard had tons of toys and, like, stuff to play with. But we were only allowed in the house for one hour out of the day. I don't know if it was because we had lice or this is just how she functioned. But we were only allowed in the house to eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. One hour in the living room to watch a movie and would go back outside until the nighttime and then we'd come in take a shower and go to bed 
and basically like that's all like the only time we interacted with her was you know getting ready for bed breakfast lunch or dinner and she even enrolled us in school for a little bit because it turns out she had lived not even far from the school that we were attending previously so yeah that was kind of cool um because then I didn't have to be in the backyard (laughs) I preferred being in the school but being that I had lice and going in and out with like not knowing where I live um I was just like ditching school and hiding out in the bathrooms so (laughs) that was my sixth grade year just going back and forth to different homes um after that 30 days we found a foster home not we the social workers found a foster home for me and my sister but we were out of that foster home within like two weeks we jumped around to a couple foster homes because of my sister's behavior so finally we found a good foster home that I really liked and within (laughs) within an hour of us being there she realized we had lice like that's how like good she like she she is and um I don't want to say her name or anything but I always like randomly think of her because she was like one of the first foster homes that I felt special in um when my sister and I first got there within like a month my sister was acting up so much I already knew that they were gonna kick us out again or like we'd have to move to another home but I guess they at that time it was about my like fifth move it was going to be my fifth move and they decided to talk to me about separating from my sister because she needed a higher care than foster, what foster homes could provide what they call that is group homes and when a kid is not able to be taken care of or they need a higher you know attention span or more structure, they go to group homes. I've never been in a group home, so I don't know how much structure there is, but I've been there for visits with my sister, and I honestly could say, like, I feel like juvie, but for kids. For kids who are taken away from their family, like, I don't know, I I didn't like it. But anyways, so they had asked us to be separated, And I didn't want to. As the older sister, I wanted to stay with her. But I knew that she did need more help. And I couldn't couldn't help her. She wouldn't listen to me. Um, So by the time I was 12 years old, we were separated. And she ended up going to a group home. And I stayed with this family for, I want to say, a little over a year. I started seventh grade. Um where I finished sixth grade and seventh grade with them, almost finished seventh grade with them. But I guess my birth mom at that time was visiting me and my sister and she was doing good. She was being sober. They started giving us like visits and then it went, it goes from like monitored visits to unmonitored visits. And at that moment she was at four hours of unmonitored visits a week and she had started talking to my foster mom and getting along with her I don't know how but it turned up being like my birth mom made this big deal that she couldn't 
go out this way because she rides the bus and she couldn't visit me down that far where my sister was. So somehow it turned into a thing where my foster mom gave her our address and she let her visit in the front yard. And I'm 12 years old. I did not know. Like I was almost 13. I did not know that that wasn't allowed. So when a social worker came to visit me, I had brought it up like that we had a visit here because I was happy. I was excited. Um, you know, I was just a little girl then. I was just like, oh yeah, like I showed her my room. And of course that opened a book that I did not know that was dangerous. So they had to move me from that foster home. And I remember I was devastated. I didn't want to go. I like told them I was going to run away. And of course they told me like, you don't want to end up going to a group home. So I listened and I moved. I moved from Riverside all the way to Orange County. Before I moved from that home, I was comfortable, I was making friends. And as a little, like, I'm basically a little white girl with blonde hair, living with Mexican families. And um, it took me a long time to adjust, you know, to be open about my situation. I finally made some friends where I was able to, like, talk about foster care. Like, um, I had two foster siblings there. Um, and then, um, my foster mom had two kids of her own. So there was like five of us and I really didn't want to leave. And when they told me like, they didn't have a placement for me where I was going to be able to stay in the same school because my birth mom knew where I lived. So she could easily find out where the school is as well. And that I was moving to Orange County. I was so confused. I was like, I don't even know where Orange County is. Like, what do you mean? Like, how far is that? Like, I can't visit my foster mom or anything. And um, they said no. So they moved me to Orange County, Anaheim. And I started a junior high over here. I didn't want to be here. When my social worker explained how I needed to move because it's for safety reasons and then mentioned how I will also be needing to move schools because she could easily find out what school I'm going to, you know, what school is closer to the house. I thought it was ridiculous. I was only 12 years old and I didn't think anything like, oh, she's going to take me. She doesn't even have a car. Like, how would she take me? Um, I was really, really sad. I did not want to leave. Um, they told me that I would, since there were no placements nearby, I'd have to move to another county. And I was so angry. Eventually, they ended up finding a placement nearby, which wasn't that far, but I still had to move schools to a different school. Um, so I ended up moving to a different house where I was the oldest of four foster kids. And they were vicious like they were like a little sibling set I think yeah like four of them they're all siblings and the foster mom was an older lady single woman and they would like gang up on her and try to like fight her and like they'd sneak food like it was 
really, really crazy. And um, since they were a sibling set, they had one visit a week and it was monitored. So I'd have to go with the foster mom and I ended up going to the same school that I was at from the shelter home. So then I went backwards and I was doing bad. I was ditching again, hiding back in the bathroom, um, not wanting to go. I started running away because I was getting so mad at like all the kids, like the four little kids fighting. And then they were trying to fight me. And I was like, I'll beat you up. And like, it was just really, really bad point in my life. I think I stayed there for like six months. And I started even plucking my eyebrows and actually shaved them off (laughs) when I was only 12. (laughs) It was bad. Like, it was, wow. Like, I remember when I first shaved them off, I was like, what? You could still see the tan line of where your eyebrows used to be. And (laughs) I remember crying. I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. And like, I just wanted to hurt myself. I didn't want to be there. Eventually, I ended up running away, and my social worker, I got a hold of him, and they moved me, and that's when they moved me to the another county. So I went from Rialto to Bloomington, from Bloomington to Orange County, and that's how I arrived in Orange County. I think I started, like, the last two weeks of seventh grade. <laughs> over here in Orange County in Anaheim and I met somebody really really cool and like we hit it off so when I started eighth grade there we were like friends because we're like the new people at the ending of seventh grade and yeah I started opening up about being in foster care and and stuff because she wanted me to have sleepovers and in foster care they have this rule Like, you're not allowed to have sleepovers at anybody's house unless they're fingerprinted. So, like, your friend's parents would have to be fingerprinted in order for them to even consider you to sleep over. Even to this day, that girl, I will never forget her. Like, I adore her. I still talk to her randomly here and there. But being a mom, we're both moms now. So, our kids take up our time and it just... A lot of personal emotions, you know, like that I hold in. But I love her. I adore her and I thank her so much because like she's done a lot for me, whether she knows it or not. Um, growing up in eighth grade, she made me feel special with her parents and like just opening up about foster care and sharing my life and I ended up staying in that foster home from end of seventh grade to ninth grade um so I ended up finishing junior high with this friend starting high school with her trying to do the JRGC thing but when ninth grade hit the foster home that I was at she had a mental breakdown um her daughter was about a year younger than me and she had a disability And then she had an older son who had moved out of the house. I think he was like 29 and I was like 14 or 15. And he would come and visit. But in ninth grade, I think we all noticed that 
foster mom. She was a single woman. She was not married. She was divorced from her daughter's husband. He was a police officer. And he'd come and take his daughter, you know, like every other weekend and do his visits and everything. Um, but in 2000, was it 2008? No, 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 no. 2004, <laughs> 2005, when I started ninth grade, um, both her parents had passed away and her father passed away unexpectedly. We were expecting. She was expecting her mom to pass away because she had breast cancer previously and she went into remission. So she, the breast cancer came back and came back harder. And she was about, her mom was about like 82, 83 years old. So of course, like it was going, it was a lot for her body. So they gave her, you know, a certain amount of months left and her, her dad was healthy He didn't have any complications, but one day he ended up passing away in his sleep. And it was after the doctor had announced that his wife was going to pass away soon, that she only had a matter of months left. So it was really, really unexpected for her dad to pass away the way he did with no warning. Um, Her and her sisters, um, it was really hard for them. Um, they believe that, you know, her father passed away because of a broken heart. Like, to live on this earth without his wife. And I don't want to cry, but I remember going to the house and seeing him laying there on the floor. It was, it was really hard. I was only 14. And growing up in foster care... I can imagine this feeling for anybody losing their parents because I don't have a bond like that. Um, I never grew up with anybody, just one person. I grew up with multiple people and um, I don't like funerals as it is. I work in healthcare and I work around people who die and I clean them up when they pass, but really hard for me to imagine like growing up with somebody my whole life like my parents you know like the way she went through losing her dad and then just a couple months later after that she lost her mom from the breast cancer so she was in her 40s or 50s I'm not sure but she lost them both within a couple months to have both your parents and then lose them both within a couple months right before the holidays I I know it, it broke her it hurt her a lot and she tried to go on but she would talk to her mom every day she would call her mom she you know she was a daughter that would go for dinner or take her somewhere shopping so I can't imagine as an adult like I've always been the type of person that tries to be empathetic and tries to put myself in other people's shoes. So as an adult, I understand where she was coming from when she acted the way she acted and she did what she did, you know, yelling in my face, treating me bad, like threatening to hurt me and even slapping me. I understand, but 
as a teenager who was only 14 and had gone in and out of foster care, who at that time was trying to have visits with her own mom, which she hated taking me because of what happened with her own mom. It was, it wasn't a safe place and it wasn't a place that I wanted to be at. I didn't deserve to be treated that way. I wasn't her child. I was a teenager who was going through her own things and trying to figure out if she's going to go back and live with her own mom or not. At this point, I've been in foster care for almost four years in multiple different homes. I've moved because of my birth mom. I've tried hurting myself. Like It wasn't something that I wanted to be in. So I remember when I went to school, when I had enough, and I used my friend's cell phone, and I called my social worker. I told him I needed to leave. Like, if I don't leave, like, something bad's gonna happen, and, like, I'm like, I can't go back. I'm not going back, like, after school at the end of this day. Like, I'm not going to be there. You're not going to find me. Like, I remember I was crying. Like, I couldn't do it. Like, it was too much. Like, they were trying to close my case because, like I said, it's been four years. I was already in foster care. My birth mom had a lot of, lot of chances, and she kept trying to visit me and my sister, but it wasn't getting anywhere because she kept relapsing and going back to drugs. So every time she relapsed, it would start the case over to monitored visits. So we'd go from monitored visits to joint counseling therapy to unmonitored visits where she would say things that I didn't even want to know. And eventually at that time when everything was going on with my foster mom, I had told my birth mom that I wanted nothing to do with her. I didn't want her calling me. I didn't want her trying to contact me and that I didn't need to see her because every time we go to go to a visit, she had a different guy around. And I told her, like, you're not my mom. You didn't protect me for anything. When I was younger, I was molested. And a lot I spent a lot of my younger years denying it because I was ashamed. I was ashamed of what had happened to me and I felt like maybe if I was shutting my bedroom door more or if I put a chair in front of it it would have protected me but honestly it wouldn't my birth mom ended up telling me in a unmonitored visit that she needed me to get tested for an STD I was 13 when she told me this. She told me she ended up getting an STD from one of her boyfriends. And that same boyfriend fantasized about me. And she sat there and told me that being sober, she's on her step four, where you make an amends, and that God had put it on her heart to tell me about how she knew what had happened, and that she wanted to apologize, and that's not what mothers do, um, 
that she should have been there to protect me and all this stuff. And I just looked at her like, you're joking. Like, I just felt shame, shame, because I had all this guilt. I blamed myself for so many things. I thought she, there were things that she didn't know that had happened. But it turns out she knew a lot more than she let on. To be 13 years old and not give consent, not to be in control of your own body. Well, your birth mom knows, and she was okay with this man fantasizing about her daughter, who was only eight or nine at the time, made me sick. And then she sat there and told me how she told the social worker all this, and they're going to make sure I go and get an STD test. Like, it just shocked me. That she would do this and then go and tell the social worker. Like, it's embarrassing. I'm 13 years old and you mean you're going to make my foster parent take me to go get an STD test? I haven't even started my period yet. I was only 13. I didn't start my period till I was 15 years old. The doctor ended up telling me that it could be due to trauma. But it was really, really embarrassing (laughs) to get an STD test at 13 years old. The doctor's looking at you. Your foster mom looking at you. So, yeah. By the time I was 14, that's when I told her I wanted nothing to do with her. And when I moved out of that foster home, I cut all contact. I had no contact with her. And she had no way of getting a number to reach me. Not that it really mattered anyways, because it turns out she ended up relapsing shortly after I had told her that, and she went missing from my sister's life and my life. And my sister, who I had visits with for a little bit after I had moved, blamed me. She said, it's all my fault, that how come I don't love mom, how come I don't do this, how come you don't just listen so we can go back with her my sister was so stuck in her head that she is like the little mama's girl even though she would scream at her and say that she hated her when we lived all together she was stuck on blaming me for everything for not running from the police from being back in foster care from her our birth mom not being around it was all my fault And I completely understand where my sister was coming from at that time. But one thing she didn't realize is we deserved better. I've had this mindset ever since I was younger. We deserve better. We don't deserve to be stealing from the 99 cent store in order to get food and sleeping in a park while sprinklers are going off on us and trying to learn how to pee on a tree and smelling awful like we deserve to not have lice we deserve to go to school and make friends and live life when i stopped talking to my birth mom i told myself as a teenager who was barely 
14 years old, I told myself that I want to have a better life. And I am not missing out on her life. I did not give birth to my birth mom. She gave birth to me. She's missing out on my life. She is going to see that I will not become her and I will do better for my life. And even though I am a single mom and I struggle, I struggle, and I only have one kid, I struggle financially, mentally, physically. I am not at a weight I want to be at right now. I struggle, but I don't give up. I don't, I've never, okay, I've touched MJ, but other than MJ, I have never touched any other drug. Do I drink? Once in a while, I do. I don't drink excessively. I am afraid of addiction running in my family, not just with my birth mom, but my birth uncle, birth aunts. Literally, none of them have had their own kids. This generation, we all have our own kids. Correction, except for my younger sister who grew up in foster care with me, who's one year apart. She lost all of her kids to foster care. Recently, she just had a kid in November, and apparently she has custody of that child, but I don't know about um, her other kids. They, like, all went to foster care. Her oldest ended up getting adopted, and they are... The adopted parents who adopted him adopted me, which I will get to later on in the story, but right now, I just... Wanted to say how at 14, it was, it was really, really hard. Um, having to move another foster home again because of my foster mom's mental breakdown. Um, but it, I, like I said, as a teenager, I've always known once I stopped talking to my birth mom, I've always known that I deserved better. And I wasn't going to be mistreated in a foster home. So I asked to leave and I ended up leaving that same night. Okay, so yeah, I ended up moving and I had to move to a different city. So I had to move school districts once again. This was the middle of the beginning of 10th grade. I did not want to move to a different school at the time I was turning 15, so I asked my social worker for free time. Now, what free time is, is basically granting permission where the social worker, the from the county, I'm LA County, living in Orange County, where the social worker is able to grant you free time away from your foster parents, which means you could go with friends, you know, like, it's crazy, because it's like, basically, me letting my son go with his friends, I have I had to get permission for something like that. So it wasn't up to the foster mom to just let me go to the movies with friends. I had to get free time. So they allotted me like 10 hours of free time a week or every two weeks, something like that. It was insane. I was like, are you kidding me? Like, that's nothing. I'm 15. Um, so I ended up moving, like I said, to a different city which was closer to Disneyland and since it was too far from my high school they said I had to move high schools of course I was so over moving like 
At this point, I was kicked out of fifth grade, didn't finish fifth grade. So I've never even been to a graduation because of foster care or my birth mom. So fifth grade graduation, I got kicked out at the end because they realized I had lice. Then we were evicted. Sixth grade, I went to like two different junior highs. Seventh grade, I went to two different junior highs. Sixth grade was adjusting, you know, finding the foster home that was for me. Then I stayed in that one foster home for a year. So I finished sixth grade and seventh grade up until the end where I moved. So then I went to a different junior high. And then like eighth grade and ninth grade was the first time since fifth grade that I was able to stay in one school. So of course I did not want to leave. I wanted to stay. And I was like, at 15, like, could I please like ride the public bus? It's not that far. It's one bus straight down. And my social worker allowed me. And for a while I was doing it, but I had signed up for water polo, which meant I had to wake up earlier in order to take the bus. And after a couple of weeks, I was exhausted. I don't remember what happened, but I remember like back then, you know, it was like, what, 2007, 2006, something like that. And cell phones weren't around the way they are today. So I remember I had like a little track phone. It was prepaid and I didn't have any more minutes in it. So I couldn't like contact my foster mom. So I had told her I was going to be home. And I remember it was 10th grade um, homecoming football game. And I wanted to go back to my foster home to ask my foster mom if I could go to the the game in the night. But she she wasn't home. So I ended up calling her from the home phone. She said, yes, I can go. So that means I had to take the public bus back again after being on the public bus, you know, getting there to water polo, getting the public bus to go back to the house. And I had to go back to the public bus to go back to the school. So that way the bus, the school bus that's taking JR, the junior ROTC, to the game could take me too. And I don't know what had happened, but I like wasn't paying attention and I ended up getting hit by a car you guys like I was only in that foster home for like two months <laughs> and after two months of going back and forth on the bus and water polo I was exhausted and I got hit by a car so after I got hit by a car my social worker took away the privilege of taking the public bus to that high school and made me transfer and move high schools that were that was near by the house and my foster mom could drop me off. <sighs> it was chaotic. And I I don't remember getting hit by the car. I was unconscious, knocked out all the way to the hospital in an ambulance. And as I arrived, as I woke up, I was I remember being, you know, like one of the movies being per- pushed on the gurney where they're like rushing in and be like oh her blood pressure is this and then this is like she lost consciousness on the way blah 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 like it was literally like a movie I woke up and the lights all I could see going down like the aisle and they were like telling me like are you okay like what's your name and they're like you're okay you're at the hospital like we're gonna do this and they were ripping off my they were ripping off my clothes like cutting it up and I remember I like had flashbacks you know 
and was crying and I was like, don't touch me, please don't touch me. And then I lost consciousness again. I think it was just like a trauma shock and um, the ripping of my clothes just like, you know, did a lot to me. So I knocked out again. And next thing I know, I was, I woke up hours later and my foster mom was there and I was able to call my friend, the friend that was waiting for me to go to the homecoming game with her um, and let her know that I was at the hospital. Um, I remember they had thought that I was trying to unalive myself that day um, because I walked in front of the car, but I was just so exhausted and the police officers were there too and they were asking me questions and they wanted to know my side of the story because clearly I, when I got hit by the car, I lost all consciousness. So I felt, I felt so bad, but the driver thought he had unalived me. It was like an F-250 truck. You guys, like, I don't even know how, like, I made it that day. Like, I don't know how I was still alive or not injured because, um, the officer said he was going 30 miles an hour and that there were cars honking at me and that I didn't move. So they thought maybe I was trying to unalive myself. And then the guy who had hit me was still in the lobby crying to make sure I was okay. And of course, me being 15, I didn't even bother to ask like if I could see him or like anything. So maybe one day I could make a TikTok about it and find him. But I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> but I remember the nurses asking me afterwards, after the cops left, um, if they could do an x-ray, you know, a body scan, because they want to make sure I didn't, like, break any bones, and I did, and they were shocked as much as I was. They, they looked at me, and they're like, you must have a guardian angel watching you, because you have no broken bones, no, like organ damage like nothing like you have a fractured first rib and that's it and they're like and there's some more bad news and when you're in an accident your body is in so much shock that you don't even feel the pain or know what's going on so at that moment I was like oh what what is it and they're like you did um hit the cement the the street pavement and you slid when you were hit and your mouth was open and when I tell you guys I had bunny teeth oh my god I had bunny teeth so what happened when I slid across the pavement my mouth was open and it scraped down my teeth <laughs> like my teeth were gone like an inch whereas like, there was only an inch left on my right one and two inches maybe on my left I and they said in the x-ray they found my teeth in my stomach you guys I scraped my teeth and swallowed them oh my god it was so 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 bad um after I left the hospital I ended up going back to my foster home and going back to school after like a week and I was walking around without teeth for a long time I had brought it up to my social worker so they could find find funds 
and I had bunny teeth and I needed braces so bad. So in a way I was like, yay, like my big teeth are gone. But I was also embarrassed because now I had no teeth. Um, of course, that's not like cool, especially when you're in like 10th grade, like it's embarrassing. So um, I stayed like that for a little while. Um, they gave me like little caps, but they would always fall off, especially when I was eating. Um, after like a, a month, I don't know, my foster mom was pregnant at that time. And that foster mom like ended up telling me that I don't know what I did. I did something that got her mad. And she ended up telling me, you know what? You're not my daughter. You're my job. Like, you need to remember that. You're my job not my daughter and it hurt me like your girl is like I am tough I am strong people see that they know what I've gone through they're like wow like you are strong but I'm also sensitive like yeah things like that hurt me you know so what do I do when I get hurt I run away I remove myself from the situation and I know it's not a great coping mechanism, but that's the way I've coped, like, my whole life. I'm working on it and working on not running away and trying to problem solve instead, but I hide and I I escape. So I once again ask my social worker if I can move. So he moved me again. So I went from Anaheim, already two different schools for 10th grade all the way to Santa Ana and I started a school there in 10th grade it was about the ending of 10th grade at this time and I will have to continue this in my next episode because this move actually explains a lot with me and my child's father situation so this will be in the next episode hope to see you guys soon Small coffee break intermission.